Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's too many, there's just too many buttons to press. Hello, everyone. Good <laughs> evening. Uh, welcome to tonight's special uh, Art to Know Better podcast, uh, a special interview uh, we've, we've got lined up for you tonight. Um, tonight, we'll be having a chat with an ex-Leeds United manager who's tied with the club, covered one of the most turbulent uh, periods of history with our club. Um, and it's still spoken quite widely, you know, eight years, seven, seven and a half, eight years on. Um, but I suppose before that, uh, we'll, we'll get the uh, we'll get the intro going. Hi, this is Don Matteo, and you are listening to the Auto Know Better podcast. Let's do this. Hello, good evening again. Um, Smarty here, or James, as, as I've got on the screen. It's a bit of a change for this, uh, for this one. Uh, I'm joined by Luke and Matt from the OKB as part of the regulars. Are you looking forward to this one, chaps? Oh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Very much we'll just so. Have a, a bit of pre-chat there with, with Brian before we start, and I, I can yeah. safely say I think this is going to be uh, going to be a bit of a banger. It's definitely going to be a good one. So let's stop mucking about then, and let's get him on. Let's uh, welcome Mr Brian McDermott. It is. The man I, don't like that I don't like that expectation. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> big things, big things are coming, eh? How are you, Brian? Are you well? Really well, actually. Yeah, really well. Nice to see everyone. And um, yeah, that's it, really. Got nothing else interesting to say. Am, am I well? I am well. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, we would have got the confetti cannons and all that sort of stuff out for you, mate. But unfortunately, we don't have the budget for it. And Matt Smats. Uh, Pull the purse strings on that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, he's spending it on baseball caps for his... Yeah, he's spending it on uh, on green screens, all that sort of stuff. Um, there's going to be a lot to get through tonight. There's going to be a lot of interest, obviously, with regards to your time at the club and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, today, at some point, I know Luke will probably correct me on this, uh, there was an article released by a, a specific newspaper Um um, with regards to your, you know, struggles with your mental health and, and all that sort of stuff, do you want to touch on that slightly before we we, we get into the football stuff? 
Um, yeah, so I spoke a couple of weeks ago. I put um, something on LinkedIn about how I felt as a player and, you know, not feeling that good enough as a player when I was at Arsenal and all from a playing career, really. And, uh, and then I followed it up with the double whammy this Sunday about my drink stuff. You know, when I, I've, not, I've not had a drink for seven and a half years now. Um, well unfortunately for me, I was one of these guys, or I would be one of these guys, once I picked up one drink, I don't stop. And um, it obviously caused me a problem. Uh, and I've stopped and I haven't had a drink a day at a time for nearly coming up eight years now. So I have to say oh, it's, well it's the best thing I've ever done. And it, I, I'm I'm in a good place today. I think that's uh, it's really, yeah, really good. Really good place today. No, good. That's very commendable. I mean, I suppose it was part of the culture of being a player back then, you know, going out after after a game, uh, you know, and, and such and so forth. And, and you know, having a few, having a few with the lads and stuff. Did did you ever go out with the, some of the Arsenal squad? Were, you know, were it a, a group thing or were it just something that you tended to do on your own? Did I ever go out? Are you serious? It's from Slough. Yeah. No, no, I was the only one who stayed in and drank water. No, um, listen, in the seventies, eighties, that was the culture. That was the culture. Yeah. You know. It was like one of them, the, the, the best players, apparently were the best drinkers as well. And that's how it was. Um, yeah. Oh, do you know what? And look, it's, you'd like to think it's changed now. You don't see you don't see that so much, that culture anymore in the dressing rooms now. You can't you can't perform at top, top level Premier League now like you, and, and drink the way that the guys used to drink back in the day. It's just impossible, absolutely impossible. And I think looking back at the times when we used to play in the, in the first division, Everyone was kind of the same because there was a lot of drinking clubs going on at, at most clubs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you only have to uh, to look at some of the you know pictures, like you know, there's, there's famous pictures of Leeds players sat around in the in the changing rooms and stuff, you know, drinking bottles of beer and having ashtrays next to you and smoking and all that sort of stuff. Completely different times back then, weren't they? Oh yeah, I mean, I remember that all the all the smokers in the dressing room and having a cigarette at half time. I remember the Leeds pictures of that actually. I remember those years. I mean, because obviously you remember Leeds United as well, and yeah, the socks were the numbers and the and the names on the back, and I, I and I like that. You know, I remember the cup final as well, and you know the Sunderland game and all those games, and you think, yeah. wow, yeah. So yeah, I remember those days, and um, it was just normal for the lads to just go out and have a get and get very drunk most of the time. Yeah. You didn't need no, to no. mention Sunderland though. <laughs> <laughs> It's habit of bringing the place on a real downer, and I've just done it again. I remember the goalkeeper, Montgomery, making that save. <laughs> but you like that nightmares about that since, haven't you? Mind you weren't born in then. Well, no, it's probably a little bit before that time. I wasn't going to say out, to be honest. You know, I didn't want to. Anything, but, yeah. Maybe not Gilly. Was it, but... Maybe hey, Gilly might have been uh... yeah. Hey, we're all born in the same decade, us. <laughs> We've seen videos of it. Um, so touch on your Arsenal career. Then obviously you started at Arsenal as a, as a youth lad, uh, and then obviously started um, made your made your, well. I think your debut in 1979. So were they? Were, yeah, I, I suppose the were, were there any? I was going to say were there any Leeds legends knocking about still by then? Did you do you remember uh, rubbing shoulders with them sort of players? Or tell us, tell us, tell us how you got into to football. I, I started at six, so I wanted to be a footballer from the age of six years of age. Um, and I was told I was going to be too small. I was going to be this. I was going to be that. Anyway, I played football for 20 years. So 
they got yeah. that wrong. But um, <laughs> I went to QPR. I got let go by QPR. I went to Millwall, got let go by Millwall. And I went to Arsenal. And I, I stayed there for eight years. My debut was in 1979. Liam Brady got the ball. Remember Liam Brady? Top player. You won't remember him. You know the name. I know oh, him. Yeah, yeah. We were 3-0 up with about five, 20 minutes to go. And I got on the pitch. And it was £300 a win in those days in 1979, plus £250 appearance. And I thought, wow, if I get on this pitch, I'm going to be a very rich man. And uh, <laughs> on the pitch, Liam smashed about a 40-yard ball. And it was coming out of the sky. There's 35,000 people there against Bristol City with 3-0 up. I'm a youth team player. It's coming out of the sky. I chest it, and it goes out of play. So it wasn't the best of first touches. <laughs> And I'll never forget, we won the game 3 0. And Liam came up to me and went, Oh, we got £500 for that today. And I thought, Wow, I am really rich. I was earning £14 a week at the time. But then you stick the bonus on top of that 500 quid. It's incredible. That's um, crazy, isn't it? Really? It was. When, when, when you look at today's wages and, and everything that, you know, all the money gets thrown around and that's, you know, it's, it's just mental, isn't it, really? The, the, the comparisons from then to now is just, is just mind blowing, really. Oh, it's not even, it's just, it's, you know, players who don't even play in the league now that we're playing in the team get fortunes, thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah. Uh, it's a totally, I mean, my first pro contract I signed, I was on £100 a week. And I thought that was money in 1979 or whatever it was. It probably was. Um, yeah. And I actually yeah. remember, do you know what I remember? I remember playing against Leeds at Ellen Road and winning 5 0. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I must have had a little bit of lag there, I'm sorry. Um, so, I mean, how did you, as a manager then, how do you, how do you keep on top of the, the, the money and all that sort of stuff? Obviously, in, towards your managerial career and stuff, you know, how, how, do you get involved with the pay structures? Do you, do you obviously have meetings with the agents and the players and, 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 no. and bust out some sort of... It's just no. totally left up to the to someone else within the club. I think to myself, if I'm a manager, the last thing I want to do is becoming getting involved in negotiation on money and falling out over money. You know, you got the lads have got to feel. When I was at Reading, I had a guy called Nick Hammond who did all the contracts. I let him deal with it. He was the bad guy. He had to deal with all the contracts, and um, I had no interest in that because I thought that's just a recipe for disaster for me. Um, mm. And if someone was coming into me and saying, listen, the club's not doing this, the club's not doing that, I didn't want to be party to those talks. I just wanted to be on the training pitch, working with the lads in the dressing room. Getting involved in money and finances is disaster for a manager. Yeah, just surely on so, the football. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 when, when you look at the, the young lads that are coming through and earning that sort of money, though, it, 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 there must be a little bit of that, that management that you've got to do with them to try and keep them grounded. Yeah. Do you know what I think as well? When you're 17 and 18 years of age, some of them have their best years at 17 and 18 and then disappear because they pay them so much money. They don't need mm. to, they think they've arrived and there's your problem. You know, if you're getting, if you've earned nothing as a kid and you've come from nothing and then someone then gives you £5,000 a week, that's really difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, unless you've got a really grounded bunch of people to wrap around you and, and that's what you got to have really because you haven't cracked it just because you signed a contract and you're 17, 18 years of age. You're miles away from cracking it until you play 100 games. Yeah, that's it. 
do, do you have these conversations with the players when you're having like one-to-ones and stuff? You know, do you have to sometimes, you know, make them probably, you know, be a little bit more humble and, and say, look, you know, you haven't made it yet. You've still got a long way to go. Because I can imagine there's quite some big-headed lads that, that get out there and they like say, oh, I've made it. I've, I've got a, pro, you know, pro contract and, you know, Billy Big Bollocks, so to speak. Do you know what? You can't make anyone something they're not. If someone's humble, they're humble. If they're not humble, then they're not humble. True. You know, I sometimes I manage this guy. We got to be humble. Well, if you're humble, you're either humble or you're not. Um, and you're either a decent guy or you're not. I, I see that very clearly, really. Um, but if you haven't got humility and you're a player, I always talk about it. You know, as a player, when you're doing well, make sure that you have humility because you know what? It's only a game at a time. And it can drag you down pretty quickly. I mean, the Premier League is 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 unforgiving. And yeah, you know, look at look at Steve Cooper now. now. Steve Cooper's a nice man. Nottingham Forest, brilliant season last year. What he did was unbelievable. Now they're coming after him because of what's going on and the results. It's uh, very it's, fickle, isn't it? Football. Very oh, fickle. God. Well, it is fickle, but I understand its results. But when you've got someone like Steve Cooper as a top manager, if I'm the owner of Nottingham Forest, I'm saying to him, listen, he's our manager. Whatever happens, if we go down, he's going to bring us back up again. And if you, if he had that kind of support, but, you know, I wouldn't imagine that's going to happen. That doesn't happen these just, days. Ju- just on Forest, what do you make to their, 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 their I mean, this isn't about this isn't a Forest podcast, but what do you make to their, their, their sort of, Theses for the season, you know the the, the theory of bringing twenty five players in. How difficult must that be for a for a manager? I mean, being there yourself and and having to you know look at a brand new squad and twenty five new players or something silly. How is he expected to get the best out of them in such a short time? I mean, is it, is it was it always going to be a car crash? Do you think? Look, the answer's in the question. You're, you're baffled, you know. So yeah. I'm not. I, I I'm exactly the same. As you, so I'm I'm an outsider like you. Are. I'm looking at that situation. I'm thinking, well, now look. To be fair, they had a few loan players, so they had to replace the loan players. But they didn't have 25 loan players. Um, no. And the most important thing for me, and I'm not suggesting that they aren't good lads at Forest. I'm just saying, the most important thing is you you get right good lads into your dressing room. I've always tried to create environments where you get good people in your dressing room. So he's obviously had good people. They've obviously got promoted. And if he'd have added sort of eight, seven or eight players, just good people, good lads to have a right go, then yeah. But twenty-five new players, <laughs> I don't want to be managing that. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it? I, I don't know where that's come from. Where, I can't imagine him not knowing him, but looking from afar, thinking, "Well, I can't imagine him saying I want twenty-five new players." It just doesn't make any sense to me. Nah. It feels like setting up for failure, doesn't it? Trying to yeah, keep that many players and some of the incumbent players you already have in the squad, trying to keep them all happy. It's just, it's a nightmare. It's impossible, Matt. It's impossible. You know, you're better off with a smaller, tighter squad. And that's, that's for me, really important. Just getting a right good environment, good culture where everyone wants to express themselves. Everyone wants to play for the football club and the lad, and the supporters can connect with them. Mm. You know that's the that's the key. It's like the team that went up with Leeds with um, Bielsa. Everyone connected with those lads. I mean, I watched it from afar. The only thing I was gutted about is it was COVID. Yeah, it was really sad. You know, mm. one of the big things for me, I was thinking, you know what? Whoever gets this football club into the Premiership will be revered for years. And 
he doesn't look the type of fellow who wants to be revered, BL. So he just looked like a humble man and just doing his stuff. But it was sad, really, because, you know, can you imagine there'd have been 100,000 people on the street in Leeds if there was a <laughs> top pass nah. or whatever. That, that's yeah. what I thought shame. It was a real shame. Yeah. They didn't give it a good will be revered. No, they will be revered. Yeah. So how yeah, did you, how how did how did you find Brian? How did you find the transition then from from being a player? Was it was it a natural transition for you going straight into into coaching? Because you started out at Slough, was it coaching? I think I read earlier. Yeah. Um, so I had some players. I mean, I'm sorry. No, so I didn't. I, like... So what I did was I was in Hong Kong playing in Hong Kong. I came back from Hong Kong. I was renting my house here, and I I moved to a place in Windsor in a rental place. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. Didn't have a lot of money. And I sold life insurance for a year. Didn't have a clue again what I was doing. Uh, then, it's a common theme here, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and then I went and I, I set up a football in a community scheme in Slough for two years. That was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And I learned such a lot. I, you know, we did girls football on a Monday night, 40 girls turning up in 1996. Amazing. We went into schools special needs schools. We trained a load of kids in the schools. It was brilliant. I loved it for two years. Then I got the manager's job at Slough. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just <laughs> thrown into this position. I was I was just basically a player, then a football in the community scheme, and then I did that. And I did Slough for about 100-odd games. It was great. And uh, I think it got a bit better. Then I went to Woking, and then I went to Reading. So I kind of worked my way toward where I needed to get to, really, to be fair. Um and then I eventually ended up at Reading. Did you join Reading initially as a, as a scout? Yeah, I joined, I joined Reading as an under-17 coach and a scout. I did both jobs. Alan Pardew was manager. Worked my socks off. I was doing 18 hours a day. It was like real graft. I was I was up and down the motorways watching players. Steve Koppel then left and came took over from Alan Pardew. Um, loved working with Steve as well. Top, top guy. Um <clears throat> And we we signed some great players. We we signed, and I that was that's my favourite job, scout, head yeah, scout. Right. It's my favourite job, no doubt. Who, who's the? Uh, go on, sorry, Smiley. No, no, you're all right, mate. You crack on. Is there any from from? Is there anybody that's made it really big that you can claim to have uh, have scouted and brought to any of the clubs? Yeah, I've got a few. Well, most of the players from Reading, Shane Long, Kevin Doyle, uh, Dave Kitson. Um, all of those lads who played in that team, Marcus Hannan when we took, um, yeah, like Jimmy Carbay, um, yeah, loads of players really. We, we I don't think you can really claim it. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I'll wait for that. Yeah, I, you know what, as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, here we go. Actually, Jimmy, <laughs> was, Jimmy, Jimmy was unbelievably good for Reading. Um, but do you know what with Jimmy? Jimmy's got to feel the love. If Jimmy doesn't feel the love, he didn't feel the love at Leeds. And because of that, he knew it. And that was it with Jimmy. I read in, he, at the start, he didn't either. And it was a similar sort of path. And we sort of worked with Jimmy. He was amazing for two years at Reading, actually. But he felt it from the fans. He felt it from... And he needed that. If he didn't get it, he, he would switch off. Uh, that was Jim. But actually, a really good lad. Really good lad, to be fair. Um, but yeah, we yeah, started really a lot of good lads. Yeah, he did have some. He had a couple of brief, brief moments when you thought, "Ah, actually, there could be a player in there." But obviously, you know, with that, with the turmoil that was going on at the club at the time, 
yeah. everything would up in the air and it would just a bloody it would just a mess one it, I suppose. But I, 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 to um, be honest, I, think, I think a lot of that I think that affected a lot of the players as well, to be honest. I mean it's bad. bound to, isn't it? You know, I mean obviously yeah, you weren't ready. Paid. They weren't getting paid at one point. It's, well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll cover this. I mean, obviously, you know, I can only imagine. I mean, we've heard stories and obviously, you know, <laughs> stories and read articles for absolute days about, you know, Chile, you know, coming in and, 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 and doing what he did at Leeds. But tell us about how uh, you, you managed to become Leeds manager then and, and what were the process? Did you approach, um, did you have an interview or were you approached personally about coming to Leeds? You know, what, what happened? Well, I was in, I'd been, I'd been at Reading, uh, I got sacked at Reading in, what was it, May 2013 <clears throat> in the Premier League with nine games to go. Sickening. And I thought to myself, I'm not doing anything now till the summer. I was approached by Leeds about four weeks later, I think Reading, I think Leeds lost at home to, might have been Derby, Neil Warnock was in charge. Uh, yep. And I'd spoken to Neil Redford, he was a mate of mine a few times, and, and said about they were going to contact me. And I spoke to um, who was chief executive at the time. Good, he's uh, chief executive at the time. Come from to, um, Sean Harvey. Sean Harvey came down to where oh, I was living. Yeah, I two or three conversations with him, and I said, "Look, leave it to the summer." But the club were worried that they lost five or six games on the spin. Worried that we're going to go into the relegation zone and. Uh, they wanted me to come, so I said, "Look to, to Neil." Neil said, "Look, you need to come now." And uh, with a month to go, I thought, "Who have we got next?" When we had, I think we had Burnley, Sheffield Wednesday, something like that. Uh, two games, Sheffield Wednesday, Burnley. I thought, "Okay, I'll do it." So I came, and I came early with five games to go, and we won three of the last five. So yeah, we had no problem staying up. So the start of my turn there was all right. You know, three three wins out of five. Start the following year with one win against Brighton and we didn't lose in August anyway. And then it, it just went for what it was. But listen, the team were the team. We needed a few improvements. We needed a bit of pace in the team. Um, but obviously the team needed work. Just on that when you first joined then, so Neil Warner, so we've had a question from one of our followers on Twitter, White Rose Al, um, and he'd said that he'd seen an interview with Neil Warnock on Sky Sports before uh, he left Leeds. And he was saying how he were going to, help bring in the, the, the next manager and he were going to work on the handover and all of that sort of stuff. Is that how it really goes or were you just in at the deep end and, and it was yours and, and you were off? No, I don't think I don't think that would have been the case with Neil at that point in his life. He might have, he might have done that, say, somewhere like Middlesbrough. But, you know, he was, he was a bit younger then and he would have been doing his stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know Neil for managing against him. And that's all I know really Neil from. Um, so I, listen, I just turned up. I agreed to do. I just turned up, and then I literally turned up on the Thursday. Might have been yeah, but the Thursday, and then managed the first game against Sheffield Wednesday when we won two one. And after team were injured that day, and and we managed to nick a two one. And I'm thinking, God, we've done all right here, um, because it could have it could have gone wrong. We were one nil down in that game as well. And I think if we lose that game, all of a sudden we could have been in a bit of trouble. Yeah, our injury record hasn't changed much. Yeah. No. no, no. <laughs> it's not changed much over the last eight years, to be fair. <laughs> so you signed, you, 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 when you uh, when you obviously joined us, you, you made a couple of signs in that first season. I think Luke Murphy was our first million pound signing for, for a few years. 
um, and a couple of others. I think Scott Wotton came in, and 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 a couple more. But but how how involved were you in 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 those players coming in? Then Brian, were they were they already targets of the club, or were these people that you said that we needed? Yeah. So Matt Smith, I thought it was all right. At uh, he was a free transfer. Uh, Luke Murphy. Yeah, I just I thought to myself, you know, he could he could be a ball player, midfield player who could run a bit, and and Wooten could play centre half or full back, and we just needed players to be fair. Mm. And listen, first day, you know, um, Matt Smith heads one down, and, and 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 Luke Murphy runs in and scores with about ten seconds to go, and you think to yourself, oh, this could work out all right here. <laughs> Master stroke. And I'm thinking, God, I'm a genius, which is obviously. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, it is. Listen, um, yeah. I, I mean, listen. I'll, I'll never forget that first game at, at home to Brighton. It was uh, it was unbelievable. The last, there's two atmospheres I remember in my life. Once when Reading were at Wembley, and we we were three two, we were three one down, and we scored to make it three two. Fans went absolutely crazy. Never heard a noise like it. And that day when we played Brighton. And we scored with about a minute to go, and I thought, wow, 36,000 people. Everyone was still there. No one had gone home. And we scored that goal. And I have a, that was right up there, that atmosphere that day. It was fab, absolutely fabulous. One of the one of the best atmospheres that I've ever been, been part of uh, was the uh, the win against um, Huddersfield Town shortly after Chilino had tried to, uh, to get, to get rid there. of you. You weren't there, obviously. <laughs> um, but Nigel did was. Um, I, I remember, I, I remember having a really, really hoarse voice the day after because the whole stadium was singing your name like it was, it was going absolutely crazy. You know, the, the whole, the whole stadium was, was shouting your name. Do you know crazy. what? Do you know that that is that is really humbling. I, 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 I don't, I didn't know that, but I kind of knew it. Obviously, I wasn't there, and uh, I listen. We weren't doing anything with any great shakes or whatever, so to get that was incredible. Um, but I think the Leeds fans knew the situation. Mm. Um, and, and one thing I try and do is I try to front up and be as honest as what I could. And, and that's what I tried to do at the time. And it, it was it was difficult. It was really, really difficult time for me personally and professionally. And I was trying to trying to face up to what was going on. I was trying to give the fans information to the best of my ability. A lot of the stuff I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on, really. But there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I remember that because we picked the team on the Friday, I think. And I got sacked on the Friday. It was transfer deadline day. Some bloke rang me up and said, your contract's being terminated. I went, OK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As you was. do. I didn't Eating know your fish was. and chips. I literally <laughs> didn't know who he was. And I uh, thought, this is odd. And then Nigel rang me and then... Redders rang me and I think someone else was going to pick the team who were going to change the team. And I said, look, nice, just keep the same team. And then Nides ended up doing the job with the same team that we picked and we won five one. It was brilliant. Didn't you try getting Fester in? Yeah. Yeah, Carboni so, yeah. and Fester so, were both, both hovering around, weren't they? Yeah, Carboni came back later. But Fester, he asked me after this to put if Fester could sit on the bench. And I said, no, um, I didn't think that was right. And it wasn't right. Um, these kind of things, you know, that just undermines you, really. Everything undermines you. But you know, the thing is, you know, when when you've got sacked on the 31st of January, you know you're on borrowed time. And 
and for me, I, I knew that, but also the players knew that. So it, yeah, was, str- it was a strange time, wasn't it? I mean, after such a good start to the season as well, obviously we'd have, we'd had a few dips in, in the January and stuff. But, you know, you, you were well thought of at the club at the time. And the way, I mean, tell us a little bit about your first meeting with Chilino and, and, and how that went down, because obviously it just must have been, I mean, the guy would run around um, Ellen Road and attack it. The, the fans wouldn't let him out of his out of the out of the car park for God's sake. I mean, he really yeah, was not liked from the, from right from the get go. No, it's funny. They're not. They, I, I met him. Um, he was in the, the board of in the board. I don't know where it was boardroom or whatever. And they asked me to go and meet him. I met him. I had a conversation with him. Listened to what he said and whatever. And I kind of knew. Now, I, I'm not a mug. I've been around long enough to know what was going to happen. And I just thought, listen, I just need to do the best I can and try and win a few games and try to uh, to see if I can work with this guy as best I can. And I did my best, 100% did my best to try to work with him and the situation and everything. But he was used to a head coach. He was work- He was used to like being the manager, picking the players and then giving the manager, the, 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 the head coach, the players. And so like players could just turn up in the car park. And then you were, that was a player that you had. That's how he worked. Yeah. And that's kind of, sometimes that's what happens in a lot of football clubs. But I, that for me, that doesn't work. And I wasn't bought in as the head coach. I was bought in as the manager. Yeah. And I was used to picking my own players and stuff like that. So it was difficult. It was really, really difficult. And uh, there was a lot of stuff that went on at the time. I mean, it, it were evident. I mean, shortly after your departure, that he brought Hockaday in. And yeah. give him, I think, I, I think it were like fourteen Italian. No, not all, all Italians, obviously, but fourteen mm. players. So literally, right, crack on. There you go. You know, you've done your salt and pepper shaker stuff. You all your formations in in the cafe, whatever. They had the interview with him and stuff, and, and then away you go. But I mean, it's just, it's just, just crazy when you when you think about you know all everything that went on at that time. You know, how did yeah, how, how did you how did how did it make you feel, Brian? Like uh, with with with. You know, getting sacked and then reinstated. So, like, I put myself in that position in my everyday job, and you, you just couldn't mm. imagine it. And I know it's slightly different in football, and people managers. I mean, I don't want to say expect to be sacked because they don't, but 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 to actually have somebody ring you up and then say, actually, can you come in <laughs> day after we've made a massive mistake, sort of thing. What? As you're not a fan of the club, you know, we're 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 Leeds United fans. You you don't claim to be a fanatic of the club. How did it actually make you feel? Um, you just feel you feel really uh, undermined, so you know what's coming, um, and you got to go. You got to go back on the Monday. It was literally I'm going back Monday morning. It might to do a press conference live at one o'clock after training. I did a press conference live. Yeah. At one o'clock, and the press conference lasted forty-five minutes, and I've got to sit there in this press conference and talk about um, the ownership. What happened? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> but also be a little bit guarded as well. You know, you you can't say everything that you want to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes, but you have to be honest, and you have to try and front it up as best you can. So um, I just knew. I just knew at that point. I thought, well, okay, if I win every game and we get in the top six. I might be all right. Um, but then I have to work with this guy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I have to work with I've been in that situation before at Reading. The same thing happened to me. We were 12th in the league at Reading and a new owner came in and I knew, this Russian owner came in and I said to myself, 
He hasn't got a clue who you are. If you don't win every game, and I said it to the head, the director of football, I'm out. And we won every game. We got promoted. So I thought to myself, okay, this is what you have to do. And you have to try and... But the Reading team was ahead of the Leeds team at the time. So that's where we were. You know, we weren't we weren't a team that was going to challenge at, at that time. We needed we needed players and we needed to do what we, we needed to do. So, yeah, I, I felt a bit... Um, I was anxious and I tried to hide it and I didn't tell anyone. Whether it came across like I was anxious, but I was kind of, you're feeling that anxiousness. And then you go, you know, like, for example, we'd had a couple of terrible results. We got beat by Rochdale in the FA Cup. Um, and I'll never forget that game. We got well beat. And um, I, I walk across the pitch and I got pelters from the Leeds fans. And I understood that. You know, one of my big things about playing away from home, as far as the team's concerned, that walk after the game, if you've lost, it's just like really uncomfortable, but you have to do it. Um, and I was all right with that. And we got beat 6-0 by Sheffield Wednesday. And One of my big things as a manager, and you will not believe this, I've got two things on my shoulder. I've got this ego that says I can win every game. And I've got this other thing that says to me, you're going to get beat 6-0 and it's going to be really humiliating for you live on telly. Well, actually, that one came through that day. The only time. Sheffield Wednesday, we got beat 6-0 live on telly. And guess what? They keep showing it on Sky. Yeah. One of my best mates is a Wednesday fan. He never lets me to forget it to this day. Honestly, oh, every time you. I speak to him. You're telling what division they're in now. Exactly. The funny thing about it, James. The funny thing about that one. I've never got beat by Sheffield Wednesday. Used to win all the time against Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> Only time I got beat was six nil. Drew a couple of times. Beaten five a couple of times when I was at Reading. We won at Leeds, honestly, and get beat six nil. And it like he, we put Matt Smith on at half time. He gets sent off after about. Two minutes. His <laughs> oh, elbow on it. He just literally came. Yeah, yeah crack of that. Relaxed. Honestly, I had, um... so I looked at the Rochdale result and then I looked at the Sheffield Wednesday result and and then we went through a period of time we couldn't concede one, but we had to concede two straight away. It was one of them periods, mm, and it was crazy it way. was really difficult, really difficult to try and maintain any sort of team or whatever it looked like. And for for I think from. January, February, March, it was shocking. It was really not good, not good at all. And then it settled. He got actually when he when he actually got the club and he, he owned the club, Mr. Cellino, then it settled. And actually my last three, five games at Leeds, won three, drew one, lost one. Hmm. But I knew I was going. Yeah, yeah you already had that and, premonition and, and, that you, you know. Yeah, and you know, the worst thing about it for me, and this is the thing that isn't good, um, my mum was at home. And I had to go home. And he kept saying about, where is he? Where is he? My mum was dying. And that's really sad. And to be yeah. fair to him, he wrote me a letter to say, I'm sorry about your mum. But my, I had to go. You know, I didn't care about, I had to get home to my mum because I was living up the north. And I had to go home to my mum. And that, that was really sort of a sad situation for me. And that really messed my head up a little bit because I had to go and see her. And she died in the June. Sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Was this? Was this? Was this the? Was this? I told you I could bring a damn thing. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. all right. 
We've one one of our other members who is normally on here, he puts a downer on a lot of stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Jay for the night. Yeah. Um, was, this, was this when he said that he'd gone on holiday and he was yeah. in his face? Yeah. So, where's Brian? Where's Brian? Who's yeah. in the club sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I remember so, that. Yeah. At that yeah. point, and I, I actually tried to ring him and I got through to his secretary. Uh, and she, he, was at, he was at York Races. I couldn't get him. And that was the thing that I was really upset about. And I was going to see my mum. Uh, and I didn't care what he was saying then at that point. I couldn't, what can I say? You know, you I, I think you did what everyone else would have done, mate. Yeah. You did right by yourself and your family, didn't you? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. But it, <clears> that was the thing that, that was the real, uh, that was, that felt personal to me. And that was the only thing that I could look at. Everything else, whatever you say, it's football, it's professional. We can all deal with it. I'm a grown I'm a grown man, but that was different. I thought, no, you can't be saying that about me because you don't know. And maybe I needed to say it to him. My mum's dying, but I, I didn't. I didn't get hold of him to talk. And at the time, I won't be talking. I saw him at the. Um, I saw him at the Player of the Year do, and we didn't talk. So I knew. Yeah. I knew. You know. You knew by that. Anyway, that's 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 football. That's how it is. Yeah. So it must have crossed your mind. mind. Sorry, go on. Sorry. Sorry. Go on, Spain. No, no, you got this. It's fine. It, it must have crossed your mind, uh, uh, you know, having to deal with somebody that that was like that. Did it not cross your mind of to think actually, I just can't cope with him. I, I can't work for him, and not not look to come back. Or was it just that that professionalism in you that said, no, I need to go back and I need to do the best I can? How, how did that? Matt, I wasn't coming come back to terms with having to work for him. I wasn't coming back for him. No, I was coming back because I I had a contract as far as. The Leeds fans, I wanted to be there. I remember what happened against Huddersfield. Um, I remember the support that I got, even though the team wasn't doing very well at the time and we were losing games in January, February, March. Um, and I come back because of that. And I wanted to, and I loved it. I loved the, I loved the supporters, you know, that they were amazing supporters. Um, and I'm not just saying that because you're all sat in on, I'm on a Leeds United podcast. I'm saying it because I meant it. Um, you did have quite really a good relationship with the fans as well, didn't you? I mean, we've, yeah, we've I got did. A, yeah. there is a graphic yeah, um, of you in, I think it was um, Slovenia on the pre-season yeah. tour. And uh, the, 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 the lads were shouting at you, Brian, it's your round or whatever. And there you are handing over 50 euros for the lads to go and get a, a round of drinks in. I mean, that just speaks volumes you know, in, in itself, what sort of relationship you have with us, the fans. The thing is, James, you know what, that time, I'll never forget, I was embarrassed because... I only had 50 euros on me. <laughs> you weren't living in Oregon, Brian, at the time. <laughs> you know what? Exactly. Property was expensive there. I only had 50 euros on me. And I saw that. So I gave it to him. I thought, oh, I've only got 50 euros. It's not going to go very far. It's and I was like, it's about six pubs in it. And do you know what? From what? One of the reasons I wanted to go there as well. It's already been there twice, remember. And I knew how cheap it was for a few beers. Um, and I knew it was a great country to go. It was a great country to go for the fans to have. And I'll never forget, we get on a coach, right? And we drive to this place, we're having a friendly. And round the corner, there's a little boozer and there's got to be 600 Leeds United fans in this little boat. It, and I'm thinking, how have they managed to get to this pub? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was hilarious, honestly. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You can always guarantee that, that was some Leeds fans lurking somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? 
I said, you can always guarantee there'll be some Leeds fans lurking somewhere. It doesn't matter where you go, whether it be other oh, no. side of the world or, 100%. you know, you can be middle of nowhere. There'll be some uh, Leeds fans kicking around. No, you, you, I've seen that. You go to Dublin, there's loads of Leeds fans everywhere. Leeds fans where I live up the road here. There's loads of uh, there's Leeds fans everywhere. Do you ever bump into them and uh, give, them, give them the old Leeds salute like? You yeah. Know, so you can... <laughs> when I was scouting for Arsenal, when I finished... Um, I saw a few of them when they went to. They sometimes the Leeds fans. So they weren't playing at the weekend. Some of them would go to Germany and watch football matches. Like five or six Leeds fans, you'd see them in 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 Germany. And I used to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they'd go watching um, football matches. Brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Like, like, and they love a social. They're good fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. Just going, just just going back to the Celine. I'm not going to try and say his name. Massive ball. Chilly, no, the chilly, time no. I can't. I can't. They take the piece out of me because I can't say his name. So I'm not going to try. Um, just going back to how, just how mental was it in comparison to other? I mean, it must have been an absolute. Just, just the stories that we've heard about the boardroom and the things that he got up to, and and you know the roles that he created and bringing players in in the day that you weren't at the club. Was it? What was the lad's name? Was it beginning with a T? I yeah, forget the Italian fella. Yeah, man, that's it. I felt sorry for him actually. They didn't get him there on time to register him, so I felt sorry for him. He was at the training ground and uh, he couldn't play. He was he wasn't registered. Yeah, just a bit, but in comparison, is it just was it just the craziest sort of few month or so ever? Like within your football, I mean, just how mad was it? I suppose on a scale of one to ten, and 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 why. I don't know why, um, but he, he, um, it was crazy. 100% it was crazy. Um, on a scale of one to 10, it was a nine and a half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard now, you know, because it's like a long time ago. And I was just trying to maintain some sense of decorum and trying a sense of like, we need to try and get a result against this lads weren't getting paid, this happened, this, and I was trying to manage that situation, trying to keep the issues away from the staff and the players to the best of my ability. Um, but I had no one to talk to, literally. And I knew all this stuff was going on. And for me, this was obviously affecting me. But I, I didn't want to bring it to the staff or the players because I'm thinking, well, let's try and get the lads getting paid. Let's see what's going to happen. And But in the back of my mind, I knew I, I, knew I was gone. I knew. It was obvious. Um, but it was mad. It was a mad time. There was no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, I remember that night when when I got sacked. And uh, and I think, I, yeah, I, I remember it just being absolute carnage. And it was. It was absolute carnage. Men- yes, you mentioned earlier that um, that that you think you you feel personally that that probably had a well, it's bound to. It's had a negative effect on morale and obviously performances and everything, which was almost a, a catch twenty two situation. You also mentioned earlier that that there was a period the players didn't even get paid, uh, which obviously no. you know going into work and not getting paid. Can you imagine? I mean, that's a problem. You know, that, once you stop, and that happened for a couple of months where, and we had to manage that, which we, we we kind of managed to the best of our ability without trying to broadcast everything about that because you're trying to keep things quiet. Mm. But trying to keep things quiet as far as things like that are concerned is, is impossible at a big club. 
know. Were the, were the issues with Fortuna, obviously, Kevin? I mean, we, we all heard about how GFH, you know, ran the, the club financially pretty poorly and stuff like that. So was it uh, just, a, just a follow-on from that and, and where Chilino was having to basically pay the players out of his own pocket? You know, what, what were the period under, under GFH going into sort of Chilino? I mean, what was that like, you know, working under them? Fine. To start with, was fine. Um, <clears throat> good good start to the season. Looked like we were going to get a few players in. I tried to sign... Um, I tried to sign in the January, and they were in charge at the time. Tried to sign Ashley Barnes. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so we could have got Ashley Barnes for 250 grand. I knew the agent. Ashley Barnes wanted to come to Leeds. Um, and I thought he's quick. I knew the pace. And he works his socks off. I thought he'd be a good little foil for Ross McCormack, who was having, a, who was actually having a period of his life where he was top, top draw. Yeah. Um, but he didn't give me the money for it. Wouldn't do it. Um, I think we'd lost, I think we'd lost a couple of games. I think they'd lost a bit of trust. I mean, look, if you look back, right, so. I remember the game against Blackpool at Blackpool. If we win this game against Blackpool, we go fourth in the league. So we hadn't been up to fourth for a long time. So I'm thinking to myself, you know what, we're going to, we've, got, we've got a little chance here. And then it all falls apart. But we needed some pace in the team. We're crying out for some pace in the team. We, um, but we didn't get it. So they were fine. And then we started to lose a few games and, and they weren't so fine. And I think they wanted to do something with the club and sell it. And that's why they got the Ch- Chilino in. Um, so when a, all of that's going on, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go on, you finish off first. Well, there was a rumor they tried to sack me at half time against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, we'd heard about that as well. Yeah, that was a rumor. So that was interesting. Just that just been. on that period, then when you've when you've got the when you've got those players that are going through that themselves, you've got all of that weight on you, and you're trying yeah. not to pass it on to the players and the staff. But players know that there's a potential that they're not even going to get paid. How did you react to that? Did you did you give them as much work and training as you could? Did you allow them to sit down and just air what were going on and talk about it, talk it through? What what was the process that you went through to try and keep them focused? I tried to do it a day at a time. I just tried to do the training and Nigel and Redders. We just tried to try and keep it as normal as we possibly could. That's all we could do. Um, but it wasn't normal. Try and keep a sense of normality, so to speak. You're trying to keep a sense of a, a normality in an abnormal situation, you know. Yeah. And if you've got abnormal abnormalities around the training ground, players don't like it. They like structure. They like it to know what they're gonna, where they're gonna be, who's gonna be there. They're gonna get paid. That that's what they want. They want that clarity. Um, and there was a lot of uncertainty, and uncertainty brings problems. Um, and that's what we had. And it was a it was a perfect storm. For that two or three months, we had so much uncertainty, and I don't want it to sound like excuses, but it was it it it, it was definitely didn't help that situation. And and listen, well, it's bound to have an effect on the players as well, isn't it? Yeah. At that point, you know, yeah. in their performances and all that sort of stuff. Well, coming for this from December when we we win at Blackpool, we go fourth in the league, and you think, well, you know what, we've gone for, and then all of a sudden we start flipping, getting on the glass mountain, we can't get off it. Yeah. So just on that then, another question that we had before we started from Charlie Hunter, another one of the followers of the uh, the podcast. Uh, he, he just asked, given a scenario, if you were in a position where you had stable, responsible ownership, you didn't have all of that weight on that. You had to concentrate on trying to shield people from that situation and players that were able to just get on and concentrate. With the squad that you had, how far do you think you could have gone? With the squad we had? Yeah. 
No, we needed some players. We needed pace. We struggled for we we struck we, we we that's why I brought Jimmy and that's why I brought Stuart in. We 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 needed some pace in the team. You know, all across the team, the defence, midfield and, and the strikers, we needed pace. I mean, Ross was a top player, top mentally, um, very quick in his head and quick with his brain. Mm. Um, and he scored like 28 goals. Yeah. Top player. Yeah, um, he pretty much uh, single-handedly kept, kept us up that year, didn't he? Really? He did. And, you know, he he, he was um, made him captain. I mean, he, he was uh, he was fantastic for me, to be fair, Ross. Really good great for Leeds United. And we sold it for a lot of money. I don't know how much we sold it for, but they, they had an offer of... What, about 15 million? Do you know it? what? I think... When he, in the January, they had an offer of about a million and a half from Middlesbrough or something. Nearly took it. I said, you can't take yeah. that. Not with this one. No. It's mental. <laughs> Jesus. It. Is that why you made him captain then? To kind of give him some sort of incentive to stick around and, and obviously, you know, maybe give the rest of the players a bit... Yeah, I just said to him, if you if I make you captain, will you not go? He went, all right. Simple game is management. Just like joining the dots in it, I suppose. Easy. I just want to touch on the the, the performance against uh, uh, Sheffield Wednesday because that was obviously you know a bit of a, an eyebrow raiser, you know, from from our point of view and obviously yours as well. How do you how do you pick the guys up? You know, you've obviously just been beaten 6 still. I remember you taking the team over to the away fans and you're getting an absolute barrage of abuse, mm. you know, all year. I mean, what what do you say to the team? And then, obviously, they weren't well-received. You could tell on the face, on the players' faces that it was uncomfortable for them. But did you use that as a kind of, use this as a, as, a, as a platform to build on? You know, you don't want to be experiencing this every week. You know, how, how, do, you, how do you manage that? Well, I don't know when the, what order that came in, but I think it was Rochdale first, then Sheffield Wednesday. Is that right? I can't remember. Um, yeah. I, I didn't use that. Um, listen, it was a horrible situation. You don't want to go through that situation, but I'm telling you, you have to go and sub see the fans after the game. If you go when you've won 4 nil or 2 nil, you go when you've lost 6 nil, Because that's... What they deserve, they are they've earned that right. So, so the championship is a war of attrition, not just for the players and the staff, for the fans as well. They're getting up and going home, and they're home at four o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the morning. I've got to go to work, yeah. and it's cost them a load of money. So, for people to just disappear down the tunnel is is rude. It's wrong. So, for me, win, lose, or draw, you've got to go to the fans. At home, I never did that. Reading all leads, I just went down the tunnel. I didn't go on the pitch. Now they have a lap of honour after a game in the, in the home. I, I'm not sure about that. But the way fans for definite, all that time. So I never used it as a catalyst to pick them up because it's horrible. It's horrible. I mean, I, I, the, the, I think the Rochdale one was probably worse. Um, it was really tough. But we didn't play well. That's life. You know, that's what we get paid for, to play better than the opposition and, and do better than what we did. Uh, and you got, you know, sometimes you get clapped, and a lot, I have, I've had a lot of praise in my life, and sometimes you don't, and you've got to take it on the chin. We have had a lot of uh, embarrassing defeats in cup uh, in cup matches over the last few years, to be honest. Yeah. You know, Rochdale literally just just one of one of quite a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, what, I've got a question from one of our from one of our guys on the, on the pod. His name's uh, Andrew Dalton. Is stats on Twitter, and he says. Uh, what happened in the tunnel after Sheffield Wednesday uh, when we lost 6-0? Uh, 
And did you at that point fear for your job? I don't know what happened in the tunnel. Um, we heard um, that it were kicking off, that there were loads yeah. of loads of people having a bit of a, a, a how's your father and all that sort of stuff. Well, no how's point you, having that. Maybe There's not how's your father. How's your father? How's your father, James? Maybe a bit of a set to rather than how's your father. I think that's another tunnel. There were a lot of baby on it. Didn't expect it to go that way. Well, I don't remember any how's your father. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Well, you never know. Uh, I mean, I just remember. I just remember the, the experience. It was horrible. And I'm, I'm reliving it every couple of weeks on Sky. Just another quick question. It just got through that. I just got through that period, and just and that was all. What, what else can you do? Yeah. Another quick question from at Matt Thirty Nine, who's another fan. Um, is there anything you'd have done differently in your time at Leeds? And he'd also like to thank you for everything he did for us. No, I appreciate that. Um, oh, is there anything I'd have done differently? It's hard to say, you know, such a long time ago. It was, it was just such difficult circumstances. It was really difficult circumstances. And I swear to you, I was doing the best I could to deal with the situation, but most of the, the situation wasn't on the pitch. Most of the mm-hmm. stuff was off the pitch was trying to deal with all of that stuff and um, and trying to keep that away from people. Um, what would I have done? I probably would have said to someone somewhere, I'm really struggling with this situation. You know, I need a bit of help. I probably would have done that from my own personal point of view because it wasn't helpful for me. Um, that's probably what I, I should have done. Um, but I didn't know who that person was. I didn't want to give it to Nigel or to Redders. I just wanted to just um, get through the period as, as best we possibly could. And I was worried then we were going to get to a position where we, we start getting into a relegation battle. Um, that was a concern. But anyway, uh, it's hard to say what I'd have done differently because at the time the circumstances were very poor, were, were, yeah. were, poor, were really difficult. Your hands were tied to to an extent on the I suppose. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you could say that. It wasn't even my hands were tied. It was just, it just wasn't, the vibe was really not right. Not right at all. Yeah. I've got another question from uh, Dan Moylan at the Square Ball. Uh, what was the strangest or craziest thing Chilino asked you to do? <laughs> probably, uh, probably. Probably, doesn't, probably don't fit right well with what I've just said, to be quite honest. But no, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it anyway. He probably probably ask it. Listen, for me to ask to to put a, some bloke on the, on my bench, really, it's just it's a bit of a piss this, this fester. This this fester. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not. And I, I actually texted him um, after that all that stuff about a year later, and I said, "Listen, it's not your fault." Because uh, he was a good footballer, Gianluca Fester. I think he was a centre half or something. But I, I didn't blame him. Um, I didn't blame Carboni for any of the stuff that went on. I didn't blame those guys. Um, they were just they were doing what they they were doing what they were doing. Um, and I don't blame Cellino. I don't blame Cellino. I, I got no. The only thing I had a problem about was the, the situation in the summer. Um, but I, I'm all right about that now. I don't live with that. It's no point. And um, no. So I think asking me to put him on the bench was was really strange as far as I was concerned. Let's make it a bit more positive. 
<laughs> Let's make it a bit more positive. What was the what was the I think you probably actually covered this, but what was what was your favorite moment? What's the moment that will live with you forever about Leeds United? The play the um the the preseason trip, walk getting around the corner and seeing six hundred Leeds fans in Slovenia in a place that no one should get to. Um, <laughs> winning the last minute goal against Brighton, two one. Um, the people, um, meeting the people, they, the people in the streets. Um, I've got so many, honestly, you, you're turning up for events and there's 2,000 Leeds fans there, you're signing autographs. End of season do, end of season do my first year. Unbelievable event, like 900 people there. It's like, looked like that anyway. Um, you know, amazing, amazing, you know, being interviewed by Eddie Gray, Eddie, Eddie, I've had, I've got two autographs in my life. One was Kenny Daglish. Actually, I've got three. I've got Pele's, Kenny Daglish, and Eddie Gray. <laughs> not bad collection, huh? not bad that. Yeah, not bad. And um, yeah, and Eddie, Eddie's a good man, you know, a really good guy. And you know, you look at these people around the place, you know, Norman Hunter and Eddie Gray and Paul Reaney and uh, all these top, 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 top people. Eddie's, you know, and, and all of these things, really. Uh, and I'll never forget Leeds. And sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget I've actually managed Leeds United. And a guy <laughs> came over from America recently, and um, he lived next door to me when I lived in Slough. And we lived in this little council house, me and this guy. Not not me and this guy. I was with my mum, and he was with his mum. And we lived, we lived next door to, to each other. And this row of council houses. And he come back. And he'd come up to me, he went, so he didn't say hello, and I hadn't seen him for 20 years. He went, Brian, you manage Leeds United. <laughs> and because he remembers the 70s, he remembers that. And he went, you manage Leeds United. You know, I, and do you know what? I'm very grateful that I've managed Reading in the Premier League. And, I'm, I, and, yeah. and that was amazing to walk out. But to manage Leeds United as well, actually, it's an iconic club. It really is an iconic club. Um, and, and, you know, the way they used to wave to the fans. I know all about Leeds United, you know, Terry Cooper. Terry Cooper was my manager at Exeter, best manager I've ever played for, the best left back. Even in training with Exeter, he was top. He was top, top, top. Great guy. He used to say to me, Brian, go out and just do your stuff against that guy. You're going to beat this fella every time you get it. And I used to think, oh, my God, I wish I'd met you at 16. Best manager ever, you know, these kind of things and these kind of people. And, and Terry being, what an unbelievable fullback he was. I mean, I could go on forever about this. Yeah. Um, and all these people. So there's many things that I think about. And, and, and I reflect fondly now. You know, I, I, I was having a bad time mentally at the time. And it took me a while to sort of get over all the bits and bobs that went on with it. But I reflect about it now and I reflect really quite fondly. I think, you know what, you did your best. And, uh, you know, that's all you can do. I think that's echoed in the way that people think of you and the way that, you know, the reactions that we've had from people when we said that we were going to speak. Oh, what a brilliant guest that's going to be. Yeah, yeah, can't wait to see it. And, uh, you know, the, I think it's good that you can reflect fondly, even though that, you know, there were difficult times while you were working for Leeds. Um, mm. Just because you're highly thought of by the fans, anyway. I think it's, it's really, good that you do that. But it's really strange, Matt, because my personality is a bit odd. You know, I'm always thinking, well, like I do all this, I do this podcast, and I think, God, I'm boring myself here. And I think, <laughs> why 
I really that dull? Or is, is this all right? Am I talking about? And I'm talking like I think, oh, nothing. <clears throat> is it all right what I'm saying? And it's 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 a it's strange. Right, one. It's really strange. Yeah, we're we're, we're quite <laughs> yeah, happy with right. it. <laughs> that's all right. That's that's, that's good. But it, I do a lot of these things, and I never look back at them. I think I don't want to hear that again. God, I don't want to hear myself. <laughs> it's very very good. I mean, it's good for us, obviously, because we were all fans of the, of the club at that period, you know, and there were a lot of stuff going on, a lot of the stuff that we didn't know about, and probably, you know, even, even what ever, ever know. But for, for someone that was, you know, absolutely central to it all, you know, being there, getting getting kicked and bruised and all that sort of stuff, and to get your insight and, you know, kind of bring a little bit of light to that to that shadow it's, it's it's been a great it's been great for us to obviously hear your stories and 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 for us to listen as you know to what you were going through at the time and all that sort of stuff you know yeah. it's been it's been it's been great to to, to hear that um we do have um a couple just of questions just before we wind down i've got i've got I've, no, I've we got do we do have some mind. we do have some questions from the from from a few people in the comments and luke's got a fast five that he'd like to to give you um, so it's kind of like don't think about it too much. Just give you give us your straight oh. answer. So, so we'll go to the comments Luke. first. So Luke Thompson asks, who was Brian's best signing as Leeds manager? Oh, I don't know really. So I don't. Um... Jimmy Kevlar. <laughs> yeah, Matt Smith <laughs> probably. Yeah, What about Connor Wickham? Did you sign Connor Wickham as well? Yeah, signing oh. online to be fair. And Butland. And Jab Butland, yeah. Butland, yeah. Um, yeah, listen. I would say Matt because he, he cost us nothing and you know what he's he, he was fine for us and uh, do you know what I signed them all and they're all decent enough lads and uh, yeah uh, did that come into your... it for you at the time it, it, that, 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 that you were signing good people as well as the players that you wanted and and you know the, the the attributes that they brought but the fact that they were good people as well was that a factor for you yeah to be honest I always signed you're looking at the person first um but for me, it took me two and a half years to get promoted at Reading. And I needed to get the group right and the environment right. You know, if someone said to me today, listen, whatever happens, you've got three years and you're going to do whatever you're going to do in three years and get your environment and your culture right, I think I'd be all right. Um, but it's not a fast fix. You know, you've got your, you've got your kids coming through from the academy. And I mean, I was there with them. Um, when they were making a decision on the on the boys' place for Man City, Calvin Phillips, mm. um, and the academy guys, Neil and and uh, Richard Naylor were talking about Calvin. I didn't know Calvin from Adam, and obviously he turned out to be a top, top, top player. And uh, yeah, and and Cookie as well, another young one coming through. Well, it was cool. We had some yeah. good ones coming through at the time, really did. Somebody okay, just the next one. Yeah, just to let Alison asks, what does Brian think of our current team and where will we finish this season? It's hard, you know. So I'm, uh, the year before Bielsa, you, you know, you're thinking, oh my God, what a great team to watch. This team is, um, I thought they played really well against Aston Villa, even though you went down to it's a good result. I think it'll be fine. Mid table, I'm sure they'll be fine. And that'll be a good result for Leeds this season, I think. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Big time, yeah, I'll take it. Ju- just on this season, we have got a question from Salernum. Um, we seem to be coming up against a lot of teams that come to Ellen Road to shit houses, in our words. In other words, play for a point, play steady, you know, men behind the ball. What do you think? It obviously disrupts our our style of play and our preferred style. Uh, we seem to be on the wrong side of the ref. What do you think? What would you do differently at, uh, managing that if you were managing Leeds United in those games? 
it's hard to say. I don't, I'm not at the training ground, I'm not at the games, but it's a compliment now. You know, Leeds have seems to come into Leeds to nick a point. So it's a real compliment. Listen, you've got to find a way to get a result and you've got to find a way to get passes in behind and, and do what you've got to do and get the, the, the results. And, and and that's what you can do and just keep building. He's got a lot of young lads playing there now and he seems like a good guy, the manager. Seems like they've got good staff, but light years in front of where we were back in 2013 as far as the football club's concerned, I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Just the next one from Jay Michaels. Uh, I'm going to give this a go. Uh, but you can correct me if I get the pronunciation <laughs> wrong. What was, it like, <laughs> what was it like playing for <laughs> IFK Nordkoping? Nearly. Nordkoping. As it sounded, it. Oh, there you go. Nordkoping. Yeah. What was it like? That's an interesting question. It was brilliant. I played there in 1984. Um, I was a single guy and I was in Sweden and I was player of the year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say player of the year. Happy Do you mean days. on the pitch or off the pitch you were player of the year? How was your father in the tunnel? There you go. How was your father? Lovely old stuff. How was your father in North Shopping? And just uh, one from Emily Lou. Um, just on, on mental health, how much support do you feel there is within football generally? Is, is there enough done? I guess the question, could we, could we do more? Yeah, definitely could do more. I think you've got your staff, you've got your manager, you've got your players, you've got your the, the staff around the manager. Um, yes, you could definitely do more. I think your problems come with your players. If they've got a sports psychologist at the club, they don't want to talk to the sports psychologist, the player, because the sports psychologist they think is going to tell the manager. And then the ones that do talk to the sports psychologist, they'll say what the manager wants to hear, if that makes sense. So yeah. that's a problem. Um, I think you should be getting in old blokes like me who've been there and done it to talk to these young lads and managers and stuff like that i'm doing the men- i'm doing the league managers association mentoring course at the moment and it's really good and i've always thought to myself you need some older young older guys around and you can talk to these but that's why i do my presentations really yeah. to talk about that sort of thing so is there enough support i don't think so um and you know you need a, they need a lot more in my opinion so just just on that mentoring piece, is that mentoring young coaches, young players, just just people in general? What what what's what's that aimed at? Generally, managers. So if you know, I would be on a list of managers, and a manager might pick me out to, for me to just be there for them. And I think that's a really good thing. Uh, it's not. I, I, I'm not. You know, I'm just there to listen and work together with that manager. And I, I think that that shows a real strength for the manager if he's got a mentor. And I look back at it, would that have been good for me back at the time when I was struggling with Leeds? Definitely. Yeah. No, it's good that, because you, you, you had mentioned that, that if you'd have had that person to talk to, that it would have felt differently. So the fact that you're then able to do that for other people, that's real positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, even players, you know what? Because players go through so much. Listen, so for me, there's 11 players that can play. Then you've got the ones on the, on the bench. Then you've got the ones in the stand. So all the ones in the stand are trying to get on the bench to get onto the pitch. And then you've got the ones on the bench are thinking, well, actually, I don't really want him to play that well because if he does, I won't get a, a game. So you have to find a way as a manager to get up that whole 25 together somehow. And that's really difficult management. I've done it once in my career at Reading where we, I think we had everybody on board. 
And that's what I'm talking about, building an environment and where you come in and you go, well, actually, you are paid to be as fit as you possibly can and play when the manager picks you. And if that's 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 okay, that's all right. And I think if you can find that and you can get that, and what I used to say to our staff, listen, guys, the ones that don't play, we need to bring them in on a Sunday, not to punish them, to make sure that they're being looked after and we, we get them and keep them up to speed. And I used to turn up every Sunday. The staff used to turn up. So it wasn't just given to the youth team manager. We took the training. That was important. Those guys that are not playing, it's really important. And talk to them. Talk to those guys that are not playing. Just They want that reassurance. I don't care who they are. They need that reassurance. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. human nature, isn't it? To, 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 to feel that, that value is, uh, is human nature. No, that's, that's really positive. Thanks. Yeah. We've got any more questions from the from in the comments, Gilly, or should we go to Luke for his uh, fast five? No, let's go across to Luke. Be looking right. forward to this. <laughs> right, Brian. If you don't want to answer any, just say pass. He's, I'm only kidding. It's not that hard. Just really quickly, just the first personal thing that comes to your head when I ask you these. First of all, who was the best player to manage while you were at Leeds? Best for Colt McCormick. Who was the worst? The worst trainer. West trainer. Oh, controversial. Oh, God. Worst trainer. Don't know, really. Couldn't tell you. I don't know. But do you know what? I can't even answer that question because it's such a, like, a, it's like a divisive question. I don't like it. It just gives me the creeps. No, I don't like fine. it. That's no. fine. Uh, who, um, sorry, the next one was if you were to pick a five aside team from every player you've ever managed, who would make it and why? Shane Long signed in from Cork when he was 18, turned into um, like a sort of unbelievable player for me. <clears throat> Gilfie Sigurdsson, Reading, top draw player. Uh, so difficult. Joby McEnough. Um, yeah. Adam Federici, goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. um, One more outfielder. Oh, it's this hard. It's really hard. I had so many, <laughs> so many good lads, really. Um, Adam Lafondra, all attacking. Yeah. Yeah. Always good scored yeah. against us, did Alf, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Always yeah. scored against Leeds, did Alf. Listen, and he loves it as well. What an unbelievable lad he was, by the way. Top, top <laughs> lad. Top, top lad. Great stuff. Um, next one is, do you have any regrets about your time at Leeds? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I have regrets. I, I I I regret that what happened happened, but not a lot I could do about it. Um, I regret the Sheffield Wednesday game, hundred percent. I regret the <laughs> I regret the Rochdale game. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Do I regret walking over to the fans with the Rochdale? Not really. Even though I got it big time. I've, that's on YouTube somewhere. You know where it was. Oh, that was really <laughs> difficult to listen to. But then there's a part of me that thinks, you know what? I did the right thing by going over there. Hmm. Great stuff. And then the last thing, is, question is, if you could do it all again, would you? Oh, God, yeah. I would do it all again today, where I am in my life now today. Yeah, would I do it? Yeah. I think I'd handle... Would I handle the, the owner, Mr. Chirino, any better? Probably. <laughs> uh, with the experience that I've got now. I'm I'm that. <laughs> I mean, while no, we're touching on that sort of stuff, before we kind of, you know, you know, wind this up and stuff, 
Um, do you ever think you will get into management again? Or, you know, what, what's the future for Brian McDermott? You know, what, what are your plans for the future? You know, what are you doing now currently? So, yeah, I'm doing my presentation. So I earn my living out of doing a presentation called um, Winning, Losing, Mental Health and Finding Balance. And I'll talk about a lot of stuff like leadership. I talk about winning big premiership, what that can do to you. I talk about losing big and what that can do to you. I talked about big ego, small self-esteem. I talk about values. I talk about um, creating an environment which is a, a winning environment and a not the, the, an environment where people can come to work and feel comfortable. And that's really important to me. So, yeah, I, I'd like to do that at Leeds. Uh, it, it's, there's a lot of reading stuff in there, clips wise. I you know, what Leeds fans are like they, they want to see Leeds, Leeds, and that, which is fine. <laughs> a lot of that stuff would be uh, the Leeds uh, under my tenure it will be a bit more, um, uh, yeah, that time between January, February, March. Yeah, do you know what? It's, it's, a, I really enjoy doing the presentation. That's what I'm, I'm talking about, really. I love doing that. I do. I bring a couple of players into different clubs, young players. I do a lot of scouting for myself. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind going up to Leeds and doing that presentation to a few places. Yeah. I think that would be really good fun. I think it'd be quite popular as well if you were to yeah, do kind of like like a Q and A like we're doing now as well. If you, some sort of interaction with the crowd and stuff. I think you'd definitely. Well, do you know yeah. what, James? It's really interesting. I, I've done it a few times, and when people start talking and they start talking about mental health, and I talk about addiction in this Q and A and in my story. And it's really quite interesting when you've got an audience and people start to talk. Really interesting what happens because people don't. I, I'm doing it at Reading in, on the 15th of November and like, people are paying 12 quid a ticket to come there and, and if anyone turns up and, and just <laughs> listen to the presentation and, and do that, you know. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I've done it about 10 times now and I really enjoy doing it. And, mm. and, and if I can help one or two people along the way, that'll do for me. We're massive advocates on, on, on the pod for, 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 uh, for mental health. We, we, we do our own little bit of, <clears throat> of fundraising and things, don't we, uh, between us. So, um, so anything we can do in terms of support and trying to get you into places in Leeds, we'll, you know, do the retweets, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll put stuff out. Um we, we, yeah, as I say, massive, massive advocates. As, as you know what? Look, for, uh, I think you know, I think it'd be great in Leeds for me to just come back there and do that. You know, and, and listen, I did nothing for Leeds as far as 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 a manager. You know, in, in this, the history of what's happened at Leeds, but I have got a massive affection for the football club like, for Leeds. I think you're a bit a bit harsh on yourself there, Ryan. <laughs> just a little. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you'll yeah. uh, you'll live long in the, in a lot of fans' memories of a certain, yeah. certainly of a certain age group. Um, yeah. that when we were going through such a such a tough time, mm. um, there was that bit of stability. And, and as as James has rightly said, we had a we had a lot of admiration for you as as, as a manager. Um, yeah. There is probably certain managers who come on who, who might come on or might be invited on that probably wouldn't get a similar reception. Um, so yeah, you should keep your head held high and, and not maybe be so harsh on yourself in your time at least. How it ended yeah. ended and and yeah. and we, we, we certainly us three and I know everybody else I've spoken to hold you in high regard. No, yeah. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me that. And uh, I, I'm going to come up to Leeds and I'll try and do it at a couple of places and see 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 how it goes. But uh, yeah, just just to get people talking, you know. And if people, one or two people, have got one or two difficulties, 
I'll put my email down and I, 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 listen, I'm not a counselor or a psychologist or anything like that, but I know what I did to get myself into a good place. And that's all you can do. You can only talk about your own experience, can't you? So just on that then, if, if, if somebody's looking to, to book you, bring you in to, to, uh, to hear your presentation and so on, how can they get hold of you? What's the best way for, for them to engage? Go on LinkedIn. If you go on LinkedIn, you see my profile on LinkedIn. You can definitely do that. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then my email will be on there, and, and, I, and I'll I'll come straight back. I've, I've had a lot of people um, connected with me on LinkedIn, and I've I've had a few really good conversations. I've had someone from Dublin who wants me to do it. Um, I'm doing an interview tomorrow on Sky Sports, um, which will be oh, good. I, you know, I'm quite nervous about doing tomorrow, to be fair. Um, but oh, this is a good warm-up for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, when you're talking about something that's quite personal and you sort of feel quite vulnerable, you think, oh, my God, do I really want to do that? I mean, even that article today in the, in the, in the paper, I'm thinking, oh, my dad wouldn't be happy if he saw that. Mm. I mean, I suppose you've exposed yourself, you know, in that, in yeah. that kind of way. But, but you know... For, for someone like you, <laughs> you're, you're hopefully, hopefully, it's a bit of a Exposing himself, they're just bastards to me, Brian. Honestly, yeah, you see him through a week. Honestly, no, no, dirty, dirty sods. That's bullying. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but for someone with your, with your kind of stature that's come out, you know, and we, and we see it time and time again with other professionals that, have, you know, have reached out and, and been open and honest and said that they, you know, they've, they've struggled with the mental health and all that sort of stuff. You know, you, you, it's, it's great to hear because it helps people, you know, like ourselves. I mean, individually, you know, everyone has struggles from time to time. And then for someone, you know, like yourself to, to come out and, and be open and honest and, and talk about that. You know, it's fantastic for for everyone, and, and it encourages people to talk more. Definitely, like, like it puts it in you know. realization. It puts things in realization. Yeah. If a Premier League, if if a, if a man, if some we're speaking to somebody here that's managed in the Premier League can go through that. You know, mm. it almost may, it puts, gives you that sort of little bit of. I mean, for me, it's yeah. A bit <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to expose myself, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You might like it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it just almost makes it just almost makes you. And I think somebody commented earlier on that it makes you understand and realise that that you know although you've managed Leeds United, you're still a real person, and 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 it helped. It's certainly for me, it's a bit bit of a comfort knowing that even you know people who've lived in Harrogate can 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 be sad and and, and struggle and stuff. So it's, <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit of a. a, a, a sense of realisation is probably the best way of putting it. I think. Mm. No, I, I, listen. I, 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 I um, no, I, I, I got to say that I, um, what, what I didn't, what I didn't want to come across as, Luke, which is really important. I didn't want to become indul indulgent, and I thought it's not an indulgent story. It's actually a story of actually someone who struggled a bit, a lot, and actually has come through that. That's it. Mm. And you know, I think that's really important to get that message out. You don't have to be it's okay to struggle but there's a way out of it and i think that's the most important message really for me i, I uh, it's not an indulgent story you know i don't no, sit no. here as a, i don't sit here as a victim for anyone i'm not and and you know it's not a soft story i'm not soft i want to win football matches for example i want to be do really quite well and it's not soft but it's about being kind it's about being a person who who loves their football players who who loves the football club who 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 
who cares about people. That's to me, that's the most important thing. It's really, it's about caring. And uh, that's, that's, that, that is the most important thing. And if you can help someone else, do it. Help someone else. If you're in a bad place, ring someone who's struggling. Yeah. I think well, that comes well through, and, and that's certainly coming through in the comments. So, uh, Emily Lou, you said yourself, you're humble or you're not, you most definitely are what a top bloke. Uh, what a genuinely good bloke. Leeds are proud to have had him. Always welcome back. Nice. Uh, this is probably embarrassing you a little, but we're going to do it anyway because the nice comments, <laughs> and I think it's right for you to hear them. But no matter yeah, what happens in the future, Brian, nobody can take away from you that you were the manager of Leeds United. Total respect to Brian for what he's done. Uh, Could listen to Brian all night, top guy. Uh, important one here. Thanks for the vulnerability. I think you know it's been such a transparent conversation that you that we've had with you. Uh, it, it's it's really. You know what? I didn't, um, think, was on, I didn't think it was anyone on the uh, on the thing. Oh no, we <laughs> yeah, got full screen on. <laughs> We've been keeping full screen on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, from Jay as well. And then we've we've another one as well. Top man, great podcast. Proper enjoyed it. Good luck to Brian in the future and what he does. And you know, this echoes everything that we've seen, yeah. everything that we've had, all the comments that we've had, the questions that we've had. We've been looking forward to hearing from you because you had that connection with the fans, and I think that that's mm -hmm. why the fans appreciated you and why you got the response that you did at the time. No, yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? I went into um, I went into a boozer in uh, Harrogate. This is one of the top things that happened to me as well, and I was with my um. <laughs> I was with a friend, a couple of friends from, from London. I walked into the boozer and I think we'd won that day. I think that was why I was out. Uh, one of the reasons I was out. And there was a boxing match <laughs> full of Leeds fans and they started singing that old Brian McDermott. And I thought, oh my God, I can't believe it. And my two mates were like, really? What is going on here? <laughs> it was mad. It was so mad in that pub that night. And I look back at that and I smile at that now. At the time I was like embarrassed, but it's, now I smile it. I think, wow, that was a that was a that was a that was so funny. I wish I, I wish we had a recording of that of that uh, crowd at the Huddersfield game because it was. I've generally and I, I include Bielsa in this. It was you know it, it, you don't get much better than you know Wilco, Revy, no. and Bielsa for us. But I've never heard the crowd sing a manager's song as loudly as that as that thing. Wow. It were unbelievable. They were unbelievable. You know, and, that, and it just like, goes to show funny. what you meant to so many of us. Well, that's what, you know, and I find that really difficult to listen to because I think <clears throat> I can't understand that. Do you know what I mean? It's really strange, you know. Okay, at Reading, we won the league and stuff like that. Yeah, I get it. Um, but, yeah, and that's what I, I find really quite touching. I just think, wow. And I wasn't I think there. I think there's a fan leads. base. I yeah, yeah, I think, I think there's a fan leads, base. Yeah. We're quite, we're, yeah, we're quite, yeah. we're quite accepting. Even if, even if we're not winning every game, if we, if we, 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 we've got particular connections, whether that be with players or managers or even coaching staff, you know, Redders and and, and everything else. So, so yeah, mm. like as, as you say, Smarty, once you once you are Leeds, you're always Leeds sort of thing, and you, and it'll be remembered forever. We've we've had ex players on here that we've spoken to, and they're all very similar, you know, in in in, in their in their in the way that they they speak about Leeds and 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 and, and generally speaking, how, how we as fans speak about them as well. So yeah, it's quite a common theme, isn't it? To be fair, between us lads. Yeah, I think so. And it just goes to show at the time, you know, when we're losing, <laughs> <laughs> it can be a yeah. bit of a hotbed. Um, but but I think yeah, looking back and and, and the people that have the, the, when there's been that emotional connection, I think that that's that's where Leeds fans hold that close. Yeah, no, I get that. And actually, it's quite interesting because if you look at the Leeds fans, you know, they're, 
they're not softies. They're you know they they live people. It's a it's a club, but there's a there's a emotional intelligence and empathy that you wouldn't think exists there, but it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't mean yeah. that. I don't yeah, mean that. No, no. You know, from that, face yeah, value, yeah. if you're looking at a 50-year-old, 55-year-old lad who's been around and he's a tough guy and he's from Leeds, but they've got it. They've got that emotional mm. empathy. You know what I mean? It's like, and a lot of the Le Leeds fans, I met like 50-odd years of age. I'm, you know, I meet them now. Yeah, I'm Leeds. I'm Leeds. Six, my age, 60. Mm. They know. They remember the Riviera. They remember... Wilkinson. Now, Wilkinson never gets a mention, does he? Really, compared to Reavy, for example. But mm -hmm. you got to remember that. He won the league then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Pride, isn't it? I think, I think summed up in pride. Yeah. Even Harty. Harty was the Leeds. I took him to Reading, Ian Hart. He talks about Leeds all the time. Mm, you know, yeah, that, another massive Leeds fan. He's, he's brilliant. Ian Hart... I could go off on a tangent about Ian Hart. Ian Hart, when I signed him, was 32, 33 years of age. We got him from Carlisle for 75 grand. I thought, you know, I need him to take the free kicks because he's brilliant with a dead ball. Not only that, he was hungry. His desire was unbelievable. And he was from a winning environment. He knew what it was like to play in a tough environment at Leeds. He was brilliant. Like, as a geezer, as a guy, he was brilliant. And as a footballer, he was unbelievable. I tell you, you... you and he was tough. If you left, if I left him out, he wanted to know why. It wasn't easy <laughs> leaving Hartley out, by the way, because he wanted to know, and he wanted to play every game. What a top, top, top guy he was! Top, top guy for me. We've, we've been blessed with quite a few decent players over the years. To be honest, sometimes you have to pinch yourself when when you look back over those decades and, and then certain periods in time where we were one of the top teams, you know, and you just think, God. You know, and hopefully, you know, all being well, you know, those times are, are going to come back around again. I mean, we're back in the Premier League now. Hopefully, Jesse Marsh is going to uh, going to take us to the glory lands. But uh, I suppose <laughs> time will tell. Listen, look at where the club was 12, 10 years ago. Look at now. And you look at it and you go, do you know what? Thank God for that. We're in a great place now. If you'd have said that in 2013... January 2013, you're going to be where you are now as a football club. You'd have took that all day long, I reckon. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Players not having to get their own socks and their own pack up. And <laughs> that, that actually didn't happen when I was there. That happened after I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swimming pools that, open. That yeah. <laughs> We've got no, running no trash. In the swimming pool. No, that was <laughs> That's poor. That was really poor. That happened there. Probably. Yeah. Well, Brian, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to come and speak to us. It's been brilliant. It's been very insightful. And, when, and I think I speak for everyone uh, when I say that we've all really enjoyed it. It's, it's, been, it's been great to have you on. And, and hopefully, um, you know, if, if you are up here in our neck of the woods, we'll be able to pop over and, uh, and, and experience this presentation firsthand. And we'll definitely get all the word out and stuff. We'll be, uh, we'll be letting everyone know and shouting it from the rooftops if you are, if you are up here and uh, you, you want to get that out. Thanks, guys. Really That's enjoyed great. it. It's nice to have a bit of a laugh as well. And uh, we're uh, we're going to we're going to keep hold of you for for five for five minutes afterwards. But for everyone else, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been it's like I say, it's been fantastic. Um, remember to subscribe to our channel if you haven't done already. Uh, thanks again to Brian, and thanks for everyone that's interacted. Can with we us get tonight. a lead salute, Brian, before you go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> right. Cheers. Take care. See ya.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to another Auto Know Better podcast, the Independent Leeds United podcast. You can engage with us via our socials on YouTube and Twitter at the address at Auto Know Better with your thoughts on the show or subjects you'd like us to discuss. You can even join us live and have your say while we're recording on our YouTube channel for the main weekly show and the Berardi and Coke after match podcasts. With three years' worth of content you can listen back to, from interviews with former Leeds players and managers to Hollywood stars. Maybe choose carefully which match reviews to check out though. Remember to subscribe on whichever app you choose to follow us on.